0: The listeners have been asking for two weeks ago. We checked out Wim Hof and his cold shower therapy. Be sure to check that out. Mojo minute 179 titled a cold shower a day. And then last week we shared one of the most requested books to come down the pike to us, which was Jordan Peterson's 12 rules for life An antidote to chaos. Be sure to check out Mojo Minute one hundred and eighty one, which is titled "If We Live Properly, Order Is Formed from Chaos." We actually gotten we have gotten some great feedback on both those episodes, but if, but in fact, episode one hundred and eighty one is like skyrocketing. We have a ton of downloads uh, since we just released it some seven days ago. I mean, that thing is skyrocketed. It's now one of our top episodes being out there, which is incredible because we just released it seven days ago. So clearly we are over the target, as they say in the business, and uh, we are giving you exactly what you're looking for. So keep that feedback coming to us. Excuse me. And if you could, we haven't asked this for a long time, but please give us a rating of five stars on a review. We would help. That would help us out greatly as well. And we definitely appreciate you listening. So, with that, let's get on with the show. Now, if you don't remember, last week we were tackling that age old question. If we human beings know we must flourish, and if we know that's the goal to living a meaningful life, then how? How do we start that process? What are the actual steps to get it done? And then last week we said that was a rather complicated answer, but our author last week, Jordan Peterson started to cut away the brush from the forest, so to speak, which helps to provide us with a lot of clarity. So thank you, Mr. Peterson. Well, actually he helps to create a lot of order from our lives of chaos. Those were his words. So let's go back last week real quick and pull just a portion of the quote to refresh our memories on how we got here from there. Going to the book, quote, how could the world be freed from the terrible dilemma of conflict on the one hand and psychological and social dissolution on the other? The answer was this through the elevation and development of the individual and through the willingness of everyone to shoulder the burden of being and to take the heroic path. I just love that. We must each adopt as much responsibility as possible for individual life, society, and the world. We must each tell the truth and repair what it what is in disrepair and break down and recreate what is old and outdated. It is in this manner that we can and must reduce the suffering poisons the world it's asking a lot it's asking for everything end of quote and then later on pearson reminds us in conclusion quote i hope that these roles and their accompanying essays will help people understand what they already know that the soul of the individual eternally hungers for the heroism of genuine being and that the willingness to take on that responsibility is identical to the to the decision to live a meaningful life. If we each live properly, we will collectively flourish." End of quote. Yes, indeed, exactly. And we want to collectively flourish and live a life full of meaning. So that was last week and we concluded last week saying what are the how-to steps to kick off this process? Well, of the 12 rules to help us with kicking off this process, there is one specifically that kind of leads the way, at least to me. Let's go to rule number eight. Out of our reading, that, was, that seems to be the one most important. What does rule eight say, you ask? Rule eight says, quote, tell the truth. Or at least don't lie. Simple enough, right? Now, natural law tells us the opposite of truth is a lie. And perhaps there are some nuances in moral objectiveness of natural law. But for this example, let's just keep things simple so we understand the nugget of wisdom we're trying to mine. And to do that, let's go to Peterson's. Book again, 12 Rules for Life, an Antidote to Chaos. And let's pull our first quote from chapter 8. Quote Someone living a life lie is attempting to manipulate reality with perception, thought, and action so that only some narrowly desired and predefined outcome is allowed to exist. A life lived in this manner is based, consciously or unconsciously, on two premises. The first is that the current knowledge is sufficient to define what is good, unquestionably, far into the future. The second is that the reality would be unbearable if left to its own devices. The first presumption is philosophically unjustifiable. What you are currently aiming at might not be worth attaining just as what you are currently doing might be an error. The second is even worse. It is valid only if reality is intrinsically intolerable and simultaneously something that can be successfully manipulated and distorted. Here's where it gets good. Such speaking and thinking requires the arrogance and certainty that the English poet John Milton, genius, identified with Satan. God's highest angel gone most spectacularly wrong. The faculty of rationality inclines dangerously to pride. And we often talk about virtues and vices, and obviously pride is the the most dangerous vice. Going back to the book, quote, all I know is all that needs to be known. That comes to us from John Milton's paradise lost going back to the book pride falls in love with its own creations and tries to make them absolute continuing on I have seen people define their utopia and then bend their lives into knots trying to make it a reality a left-leaning student adopts a trendy anti-authoritarian stance and spends the next 20 years working resentfully to topple the windmills of his own imagination. An 18-year-old decides arbitrarily that she wants to retire at 52. She works for three decades to make that happen, failing to notice that she made that decision when she was little more than a child. What did she know about her 52-year-old self when still a teenager? Hard to tell. Going back to the book, even now, many many years later, she has only the vaguest lowest-resolution idea of her post-work Eden. She refuses to notice. What did her life mean if that initial goal was wrong? She's afraid of opening Pandora's box, where all the troubles of the world reside. But hope is in there, too. Instead, she warps her life to fit the fantasies of a sheltered adolescent. So you can see where truth becomes, over time, corrupted. The truth, if we can understand objective truth, because that's another problem Peterson isn't necessarily grappling with in this chapter, but we human beings, he implies, that we understand the truth, and we can objectively know it, and we understand the good. And that objective truth, not the silly uh, postmodern world we live in where there's your truth and my truth. That's just a silly notion of truth. No, Peterson's getting deep into it. He's past that level. Now, if we don't live in the truth, then that truth gets corrupted day by day. That's what Peterson is explaining here by the lies that we tell ourselves. And here's our final poll quote, because I know Jordan Peterson's a deep, deep thinker. And you have to take him in small doses. I get that. But uh, let's pull one more quote here. Quote One of the major contributions of Alexander Solzhenitsyn's masterwork, The Gulag Archipelago, was his analysis of the direct causal relationship between the pathology of the Soviet prison work camp dependent state, where millions suffered and died, and the almost universal proclivity of the Soviet citizen to falsify his own day-to-day personal experience, deny his own state-inducing suffering, and thereby prop up the dictates of the rational ideology-possessed communist system. It was this bad faith, this denial, that in Solzhenitsyn's opinion aided and abetted that great paranoid mass murderer Joseph Stalin in his crimes. Solzhenitsyn wrote the truth, his truth, hard learned through his own experiences in the camps, exposing the lies of the Soviet state. No educated person dared defend that ideology again after Solzhenitsyn published the Gulag Archipelago. No one could ever say again what Stalin did. That was not true communism. Let's continue on. Victor Frankl. The psychiatrist in Nazi concentration camp survivor wrote the classics, wrote the classic book, Man's Search for Meaning, drew a similar social psychological conclusion. And this is where Peterson's analysis is brilliant. Viktor Frankl drew a similar social psychological conclusion, quote, deceitful, inauthentic, individual existence is the precursor to social totalitarianism. Sigmund Freud, for his part, analogously believed that repression contributed to a non-trivial manner in a non-trivial manner to the development of mental illness, and the difference between repression of truth and a lie is a matter of degree, not of kind. Alfred Adler knew it was the lies that bred sickness. C.G. Young knew that the moral problems plagued his patients and that such problems were caused by untruth. All these thinkers, all centrally concerned with the pathology, both individual and cultural, came to the same conclusion. And here's our great nugget of wisdom. That conclusion lies, warped, the structure of the being untruth corrupts the soul and the state alike. And one form of corruption feeds the other. How about that? One form of corruption feeds the other. Such a solid, deep, large nugget of wisdom there. In fact, so many nuggets of wisdom combined together. But the rule remains true. True indeed. Actually, just one more quote. I know. I know. I promise. But hang in there with me. Stay with me. And let's talk about this last quote. Because Peterson sums this up so wonderfully at the end of the chapter. Quote, if your life is not what it could be, try telling the truth. If you cling desperately to an ideology or wallow in nihilism, try telling the truth. If you feel weak and rejected and desperate and confused, try telling the truth. In paradise, everyone speaks the truth. That is what makes it paradise. Tell the truth, or at least don't lie. See, now, don't you appreciate that last quote because Peterson just does a wonderful job summing up some very deep and hard sledding that we had to make through that uh, that forest of quotes. I know that's deep stuff and it's hard to, to follow, especially through a podcast, but it was so good I had to share it with you. So in today's Mojo Minute, let's sum it up very simply. Let us live by rule number eight. Jordan Peterson style. Let's tell the truth, or at least don't lie. Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this Theory to Action podcast. Be sure to check out our show page at teammojoacademy.com, where we have everything we discussed in this podcast, as well as other great resources. Until next time, keep getting your mojo on. Are you a voracious reader who yearns for a deeper understanding of your favorite books? Or perhaps you're a busy professional seeking to enrich your knowledge, but short on time. The Mojo Academy 2.0 is your perfect solution. Our revamped service now includes beautifully designed monthly written reviews and PDF format to accompany our popular audio reviews. These aren't just summaries. These are comprehensive and insightful explorations of each book packed with the actual quotes from the book to enhance your understanding. With usually 69 pages per review, they are perfect reference tools To take your learning to the next level, get your free Mojo Academy review in written format at teammojoacademy.com or click on today's show notes for that free link again, teammojoacademy.com or click on today's show notes and you will see the link for the free written review. Get yours today.